Hello everyone, I'm Natalie Jackson and welcome to this sort of live bonus episode of the C40B40 podcast. We are celebrating, recognising Mental Health Awareness Week this week and I am super excited to introduce my guest who I think is the perfect guest to tell us whether running and mental health are connected. She is an award-winning author, international speaker, podcaster, coach, health expert for running and fitness magazines. She is also a doctor, doctor, an actual GP, and of course a runner herself. So what she doesn't know about running and um, our bodies and how they work is, to my mind, not worth knowing. Um, (laughs) Welcome, Dr. Juliet McGrattan. Hello, Natalie. Hi. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Hi. Thanks for being here. This, of course, is not the first time that you have appeared on the Totally Runnable Facebook page. We did um, have a good chat with you. It was a lovely sunny summer's day, as I recall. Was it last summer, summer 2021, when your book Run Well came out? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's another lovely sunny day today, actually, but it's in spring rather than summer. It is. Yeah. But a bit chillier, but we're getting there, we're getting there. <laughs> um, so uh, we we need to, first things first, we need to start the podcast as we, this is a special sort of live episode, so we need to start it as we start all our podcast episodes. I We did play this game with you last summer, so um, we will be able to have a look back and see with interest whether your preferences <laughs> have developed in the last year. <laughs> I, I seem to remember that I wasn't very good at it, but it, yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether I've, I've changed my mind on things. <laughs> I do think you can be not very good at it. I think it's, it's a very subjective game. I think, I think you're fine. It, it is, of course, the game, my favourite game. 11 things everyone should know about Juliet McGrath. So, um, are you ready? Yes, go. Okay, here we go. Cake or pie? Cake. Cats or dogs? Dog. Invisibility or super strength? Oh, um, super strength. Warm weather or cold weather? Warm weather. Love Actually or Bend It Like Beckham? Love Actually. Hot chocolate or coffee? Hot chocolate. Digital watch or analog watch? Digital watch now, yep. Box sets or movies? Um, ooh, more recently, box sets. Uh-huh. Singing or dancing? Dancing. Uh, watching football or watching tennis? Um, I'm going to say football. And last one, cardio or weight? Cardio. But I should be weight. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like cardio. You're, you're good on the cardio, I feel. Um, I, I can't remember all of your answers. I remember some of them. You de- you were definitely a hot chocolate fan, Oracle. Yeah, well, I like decaf coffee now, but I kind of think that almost doesn't count, really, does it? If you're going to say decaf <laughs> coffee, you might as well say hot chocolate. That's I think right. I was pretty similar. Some of those are definite, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're sure, they're sure. You had less trouble this time. I remember you panicking last time mm. about singing or dancing. Which one? It all goes together. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I like, I like both, but yeah, I'm definitely going with the dancing. <laughs> Well, you can relax now. It's done. Although I have one more um, introductory question for you. On our, we have a Facebook runners group called Totally Runnable Runners. And on there, um, quite often on a weekly basis, we get people to do a GIF of how their running is going this week. And I feel like I say GIF like somebody who doesn't know what a GIF is. Are you familiar with a GIF? 
I, I do know what a GIF is, yeah. <laughs> a GIF to me is one of it, because I'm terrible with technology, it's one of those little moving picture things. <laughs> so um, if you had to describe your running week this week in a GIF, what would the GIF look like? <laughs> um, do you want me to actually do it? <laughs> I mean, do it, please. Do it, or, or I think it would be like describe. this. <laughs> oh, it looks like some sort of slow motion... It's slow being the, being the word, yeah. I'm just okay. coming back to exercise after COVID. Maybe we'll talk about that later. But um, yeah. so I'm loving it, but um, but I'm doing it very slowly. <laughs> I like that. I felt like that was that would be a good gift. What we just saw there would be a perfect gift for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so okay, we are here this week for something of a serious topic. It is Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, and I got in touch with you again. I know we've been in touch off and on throughout the whole COVID the last couple of years period, but I got in touch to see if you would be up for this chat after I saw a blog post that you posted. So um, obviously having read your books, run well and sorted, it, it, running and mental health for me are so super connected, but I don't think everybody always connects them. So I wanted to have a chat to you and pick your brains a little bit about how they're connected, why they're connected, why running can often be super beneficial for us from a mental health perspective. But if we take a step back from a GP doctor perspective, when we talk about mental health, what do we mean? What does that mean? That's a really good question, isn't it? Um, I think it is something that we've been more hesitant to talk about in years gone by. And it is something that the conversations are a lot easier now around mental health, still work to do. But to me, I think it's what gives you good mental health, what makes you say, yes, I'm good mentally. I think it's feeling comfortable, confident, in control, and also feeling capable, capable of dealing with all the things that life throws at you because they can often be unexpected. But I think there are lots of factors that are important as well as having some kind of goal or purpose. I think we we now realise that having community and social well-being is is also really important part of having good mental health. So it's not just about your own story. It's actually how you interact and connect with other people around you. So there are lots of sort of factors that that determine your mental health and you kind of need to have little ticks in all of those boxes because you could generally be okay but you could still be isolated um, and then and, and and not part of a community and that in itself would be enough to make you not necessarily feel mentally well so I think it's complex and intricate but I think you know we are starting to identify that it is a it is a bigger picture and there is a lot of influences um, that can change and determine how well we feel mentally. I'm not sure if that answers your question, but that's... yeah, yeah. Do you think it's says because I feel like with physical health, it's so obvious. If something hurts or if something's broken, if you've got a bone sticking out, it's a, like a really obvious way of it's it's an objective way of looking at it. But I think mm. mental health feels anyway from like an unmedical perspective, like something that's just so personal. Is it is that is that it? Is it so subjective, or is there something objective we can look at? Yeah, I mean, there are lots of sort of scoring mechanisms and tests that you can do. And if, for example, you go to see your GP, I'm not practicing as a GP now, but, but when I was, um, and you were talking to somebody who thought they might be depressed, 
there are sort of questionnaires that you can use to, to try and help you work out whether somebody might have symptoms of depression. So there are symptoms like um, waking up really early in the morning, having difficulty with your sleep, not enjoying the things you used to enjoy. Um, yeah, all sorts of things like that in your daily life, which you can kind of measure to a certain extent and could give you an indication that somebody was depressed. But you're right. For, for, it, it's so in, it's so personal and it's so different from individual to individual. So it, it can be a little bit hard, but there certainly are sort of red flags and warning signs that, that you can't necessarily measure by number, but just give you an indication that something might not be quite right. And I guess help you think about it and talk about it with people that you would trust to talk about things like that as well. Um, yeah. In terms of running, obviously, totally runnable. We use running as a tool to do a lot of other things. We talk about the gender sport gap. We talk about building confidence. Um, I loved reading your blog about, about mental health and running because I think it just is so many of the things that I've experienced myself that I know people that we work with have experienced. Um, I wanted to talk more broadly about in what ways running is is useful as a tool for, for positive mental health. But um, the first thing I want to ask you about is something that people ask us as well. And I know you talk about it in your books is the runner's high. I know mm-hmm. that when I, I sometimes say I don't always enjoy the run. Some, I mean, obviously, sometimes I do enjoy running, but actually sometimes I don't enjoy the run as much as you know, having been for a run what is the runner's high that people talk about and that maybe that feeling that I feel after I've been for a run what is that physically mentally well I think actually we don't fully understand it we don't really know and you get that kind of what a lot of people will say runner's high which is you know after a run you kind of shower and you just feel great you feel yeah 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 but having experienced a couple of times when I've had something which is very different which now I realise probably is the ultimate kind of runner's high. And that was actually during races, both during endurance. One was during a half marathon and one was during a marathon. When I actually had this quite out-of-body experience, feeling like I was totally invincible, like I was rising above everything. I was sort of watching myself running. It was really weird. I had no no pain, despite being at 20-odd miles in the marathon. Um, and just have this total sense of euphoria. And having experienced that, I now look at that and go, that's a runner's high. <laughs> uh, and that's maybe different to the kind of just general sense of feeling great after I've gone for a run. And I think people who have experienced that kind of almost surreal out-of-body thing just want to, want to experience it again. And so it's kind of a little bit elusive and, and it's a bit random as to when it happens and it doesn't happen with every run. Some people never get it. Some people get it every time. But yeah, so I think we don't really fully understand. But what we do know is that when you run, there are lots and lots of different things going on in your brain in terms of the chemicals that your brain releases. And some of those are really powerful. We've probably all heard of endorphins. You know, they are kind of bodies feel good happy happy hormones that are released when you run and they actually uh, affect receptors in the brain the same receptors as opiate drugs like morphine and I've never had to have morphine but I've given it to lots of people you know and they give you sort of a a, a, a bit of a high and um, there are also things called endocannabinoids in the body which are cannabis-like natural substances 
which can give you a real feeling of sort of calm and sense of well-being. So it's like this cocktail of natural drugs that our, our brain releases when we're running, which can have an effect actually during the run, if you're going to have a, one of those kind of high uh, runner's high moments, but also for a period after the run as well, which is what can make you feel so good. So we don't fully understand it. And it's very different again for each runner and how you experience it and when you experience it can, can vary as well. So a little bit of an unknown, but bizarrely doesn't seem to happen the same in other sports. It, it's rare that you hear cyclists or wow. other endurance athletes talking about it. It definitely seems to be it's not 100%, but much common in runners, hence, hence the name. Oh, I like that. I'm definitely going to look out. I wouldn't say where you talk about, you know, one or two moments of like absolute euphoria. I think I, I enjoyed running. Not every single time I run, but that I, that I would say like have had some amazing runs where I'd go that run there or that one there. So maybe that is me having that feeling, but just not sort of naming it at the time, I guess. I, I'm going to look out for that. Oh, Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's what, what's what keeps a lot of people going you know knowing knowing that they're going to have that that sensation either during or or after because for me when I started running it wasn't for mental health I started running for physical health and just because I felt unfit and I didn't really realize the power that it had to transform me mentally until I did it myself and then I became that's what keeps me going that's what keeps me running now it's it's definitely the mental health benefit and the other thing that I think people quite often think is that when you start running or at any point during running, it's it's an easy thing to do. It's not. It's so not an easy thing to do. Running isn't something that I know I've put a couple of videos. That people probably aren't appreciating my videos on Facebook of me immediately after finishing running. But that's because I've lost count of the number of conversations I've had with people where they go, oh, it's OK for you. You run. It's easy. No, no, no. <laughs> that does not make it easier. So, yeah, I definitely think there's there's a lot of, of stuff that goes into we build running up in certain ways, but maybe there's certain ways we don't know enough about running or how it's going to make us feel or that sort of thing. Getting out of the door is often the biggest mental challenge. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. Even for me, who spends so much time talking about running and helping people start running. It can, if, if you've got a busy day and you're trying to squeeze a run in, actually, it can be really easy to just drop it and go, oh, I haven't got time today. Mm-hmm. But actually, from my, coming back to the mental health side of things, from my mental health, I know I am much better. I'm much more, the things you were saying, in control, sort of balance, capable of coping with what life throws at you if I'm if I've got a consistent running schedule going yeah definitely I want to ask you and I loved your blog about it in what other ways are is running a tool to improve mental health um it it can be beneficial in so many ways one interesting one is that we now know that lots of diseases like type 2 diabetes uh, heart disease but also mental health diseases such as depression are more likely to happen in the body if there's a lot of inflammation in the body. We call that systemic inflammation. It, it's like a low grade sort of bubbling away, quiet inflammation. And we know therefore that if you can reduce inflammatory levels, reduce inflammation in the body, you can reduce your risk of developing those diseases. And depression is included in, in, in that list. And when, we're exercise, when we exercise, when we're active, we use our muscles and our muscles release myokines and myokines are anti-inflammatory. So you go for your run, particularly if it's a vigorous one, those myokines 
zoom around in your circulation while you're active and sometimes even for an hour or so afterwards. And they help to reduce inflammation in the body, which in turn then reduces our risk of developing lots of diseases, including depression. And the other thing in the body which causes a lot of inflammation is visceral fat. And that's that harmful fat around the internal organs. And we know that's really responsive to physical activity. So if you can be physically active, then you can reduce your visceral fat and stop your visceral fat producing so much inflammation in the body. So, yeah, two, those are two sort of technical ways it can help. I love that. I think it's so amazing the way everything connects your brain and your body. And, and we know it connects. Mm. And I know personally that things connect and how you feel, you know, it goes both ways. But, yeah, amazing to hear that it really like it's, it really does. <laughs> And, and there are a lot of kind of less, less chemical, technical type things. Um, you know, running gets you outside, doesn't it? In, hopefully in all weathers. And we know there's good evidence that exercising outside has a bigger effect on your mental health than exercising indoors. Don't get me wrong, exercising indoors is, is better than not exercising. But if you can do it in nature, you get an extra boost, especially if you can do it in green environments like near a green space in a park or a woodland that has a much more beneficial effect on boosting mood and reducing symptoms of anxiety and things so I think running is great because it does just get your coat on, you know it does get you out there in all weathers and you got that kind of satisfaction as well I think if you do go out in adverse weather that you've <laughs> yeah. kind of risen to the challenge and, and I think actually that that's another way you know running boosts your self-esteem you, you, you do particularly if you've never run before or you're taking on something new in running maybe something that you didn't think you could ever do and you build up to it slowly you have a goal you just chip away at it and eventually you, you achieve it and then that gives you so much sort of self-confidence and self-esteem that then has a knock-on effect to other areas of your life as well and you kind of get this positive spiral in your mental health which I think is it's one of the ways that running can be so empowering, definitely. I definitely think that one for me. I think the empowerment of doing something you didn't know you could do always blows yeah. my mind. I think the idea of, I don't know if I could do that, but I'm going to try. And actually, if you're not mm. sure if you can do it and you fail, well, you learn something anyway and you probably do more than you thought. But actually, so often you can do more than you think you can, for sure. Yeah, ab absolutely, definitely. Definitely. And, and that certainly worked for me. <laughs> That's, that was my me experience of running. Um, yeah. And, and I, I think, as I said at the beginning, making, making sure that you're a part of a community, whether that's C-sporty, B-sporty, totally runnable, you know, whatever your, your community is, online or virtual, um, having connections with other people is really important for your mental health and your mental well-being and just finding people that can support you even just sending you a message to encourage you to get out there but just having other people in in your life and feeling part of something feeling a sense of belonging can really give you a positive mental boost as well and, and I think that shouldn't be overlooked it's that connection isn't it and whether that is you know the our Facebook runners group I love that because I think people on the Facebook runners group care if I've been for a run in a way that <laughs> the rest of my Facebook friends probably <laughs> probably just have had enough of me running but I think there's that there's park run I think is a brilliant community Absolutely. for that I love park run it's free timed 5k run in parks all over the country all over the world now and my favorite fact about park run is that the average times are still getting slower because more and more yeah. people are coming in who aren't necessarily your best athletes in the world but are there to just be a part of the community and run together 
I love that. Yeah, and, and the fact that you can, you don't have to run, you can walk, but you can also just volunteer uh, and still yeah. be part of the, uh, well, a very important, crucial part of Parkrun community yeah. by volunteering Vital. to make it possible for everyone else. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to talk to you about COVID. So um, I think there's a couple of angles to this that I would love to get your take on. One is the wider angle of, the, you know, we're sort of in a COVID era now, COVID-19, we're now coming into the summer of 2022. So we're two years on from the first UK lockdowns. Um, it feels like the world has changed. And then I want to talk a bit about COVID and having COVID itself and how that has felt for people. So there's a couple of angles to it. Firstly, I want to know how you think from a mental health stress, where we're at as a as a sort of society, what impact do you think COVID, the COVID couple of years has had on stress levels? I think it has been incredibly tough, particularly for women. And we know women have been more disadvantaged during the pandemic than, than men have. Um, Interestingly, women's activity levels as well have suffered more than men's activity levels. So I think you know, we were kind of on a bit of a uh, riding on the upward wave before the pandemic with activity levels in women. And unfortunately, that has, that has held off because a lot of women got out of the habit of exercising during the pandemic because they had to start homeschooling and the routines changed and, and, and it became harder to get, that, to get that time to do it. And then, of course, you've got to start again, and it's really hard to get going once you once you've stopped. So, I think because physical activity levels have dropped, we know physical activity really helps to boost mental health. That's another reason why it has been so tough mentally. And there's just been so much change, isn't there? So much vulnerability, so much. Um, yeah, you know, lockdown for everybody wasn't a barrel of laughs. I count myself as really fortunate. At, how lockdown was for me because I work from home and my kids were old enough to homeschool themselves and but I look at the the resources and the resourcefulness of, of some people and what they've had to cope with and, and I think it's been incredibly stressful as well as isolating and we were saying you know being part of a community and interacting with other people has been is a really important part of mental health and having such long periods of isolation has been really really difficult I mean, that all sounds very negative. I think, I think there are some positives that have come out of it. I think in communities have become stronger in some areas, you know, setting up little groups to support each other, to keep an eye on people, an, an awful lot of kindness that's been shown. And so I think the conversations around mental health in some areas have become easier. And that's a positive thing. I hope, I hope that that continues. So ups and downs. But on the whole, you know, I think it, it has not been easy, has it? <laughs> no. And yeah, and I think I see that in in a lot of small ways all over life at the moment. I was on a, I'm a school governor and I was on a training webinar the, the other week. And in the first five minutes, people were commenting in the chat in just borderline abusive manner about get, sort of get to the point. There was like, there was just no patience and kindness and it was a strange mm. format and I I you know I sort of link that with the wider they were talking about it there was uh, funnily enough it was about well-being and school staff and how and actually so many doesn't matter what profession you're in it doesn't matter whether you're working or you've been stuck at home you know all of that it, it's been a really weird hard different mm. in some ways 
exciting and new different things going on and some people you know would say the last couple of years has been amazing they've had opportunities in this and that but actually mm-hmm. that's a positive spin on a wider crisis <laughs> mm. yeah definitely and and you know we can see now since I'm not working in general practice now but I, I know that the the number of patients going to see my GP friends has increased and a lot of that burden is mental health and okay. then the onward referral to mental health services has increased so I think it's you know a telltale sign of, of, of how it's been but yeah some good things some good things as well we need to keep those in mind <laughs> definitely and I think it, it is so important that we we do keep talking about these things we do keep thinking about how we um help our own mental health before it becomes a sort of crisis point and that's where I, I do think that running can be such a useful tool but actually having covid now you are my go-to expert on this Juliet, because i've been following you on instagram and <laughs> bless you you've had a tricky time of it with actual covid haven't you yeah yeah so i'd managed to escape it for two years which is quite amazing considering my husband works in intensive care and we've got three teenagers who've been at school um so uh, but then i did i got it uh, in march and I, I have to say, I wasn't horrifically ill when I had it. You know, I, I was very tired. I had a sore throat and I was kind of couldn't really get out of my bed. I had no energy and I was isolating for about 12 days. But although I wasn't terribly, terribly ill when I had it, I just didn't get any better. And I just constantly felt bleh for such a long period of time. And when I came out of isolation and I was able to start walking around things again, it was at that point that I thought, oh, I, I don't feel like I've got a proper breath. And I felt like my heart rate was higher than it normally was. And I was having a lot of palpitations. Then I was thinking, is this, is this COVID or is this perimenopause? <laughs> because mm. I know that you can get a lot of palpitations and, and sort of energy lacking feelings with that as well. So it was all a big kind of mixture and a jumble. But I did also know from having done a lot of reading that you need to be really careful about going back exercise after you've had covid there's still a lot we don't know but the studies that have been done and the guidance that's coming out is really that potentially if you try and do too much too soon it's not going to be good for you there could be an increased risk of myocarditis which is inflammation um, of the heart but also potentially and again i don't think the evidence is is 100 on this but potentially an increased risk of long covid too and you know those those two things are, are really significant and can have a huge impact on on your life so I I just took this as as you know this is definitely what I'm going to do so I didn't do anything um, and I literally went back to just pottering around the house doing some household chores and then taking some short walks and really gradually just building it up and waited till I felt absolutely fine with no more heart racing or or um you know no funny out of breath feelings before I tried running and then I literally did like 30 seconds I went back to kind of couch to 5k status that day one week one (laughs) just I think I just didn't want to get it wrong and I thought there's no rush there is no rush I've got the rest of my life to run let's just do this really slowly and really gradually and I'm back up now to just under just around sort of 5k so yeah uh, as I say there's a lot we don't know but I think it's it's when you know how important running is to you and I knew that I was suffering mentally and physically because I hadn't been running for so long I think six eight weeks 
I, I, I so badly wanted to do it, but I just knew that the best thing to do was to take my time. I think a lot of people are having sort of similar feelings about it. I know on our runners group, we've had a complete variety of stories of people running post COVID and people have had it before and struggled to come back and then had it a second time and actually been fine. Is it still the case that it's, is that normal that it's just a complete lottery as to the symptoms and how you feel? I really think it seems to be, you know, it, 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 I'd had, you know, all my jabs and was fighting fit and, and seemed to be hit reasonably badly with it. And I know people, you know, are completely asymptomatic. <laughs> um, so I, I, I don't, you know, we just don't know enough yet to be able to determine who's going to be worse off from having had it. And, and I think it's that uncertainty that makes you feel quite vulnerable with it, really. And mm. yeah, I, and I, who knows when and because of the different strains as well it, it's really hard to know which strain which strain you've had and are the effects of one worse than the other and and, and then the inter individual sort of immune system and how your body reacts to different diseases and what exposure you've had and it's just yeah I, who knows if we'll ever have all of those answers and it's such a hard I feel like as a runner I who is motivated by goals and I know the mental you know exactly what you're saying I know the mental and physical benefits of it the idea of having even when I'm you know injured and coming back from an injury I'm always super impatient so the idea of having to think and I think you want you sort of overcut it's the challenge and you overcome it like there are often days where I don't think that actually going for a run you know I think oh I'm tired or you know I don't necessarily want to go out there and run and you overcome that and you're like no go on and you sort of mind over matter it don't you but actually that might not be the most sensible if you're suffering from COVID or immediately after. Yeah, it's difficult to know, isn't it? Because normally if you feel tired, you think, right, I need to go because I'll have energy when I come back. But if you're recovering from COVID and you're feeling tired, you're probably better off not pushing yourself, you know, because that might just be your body saying, oh, I'm really not, I'm really not ready for it yet. So it is, it is really, really difficult. Yeah. I think one thing that's helped me is to, I've been focusing on my running technique almost like starting to run again, starting to learn to run again. Cause I knew in my running that there were certain things in my technique that maybe weren't great and they're hard to change, aren't they? Sort of you get stuck in habits and things. So I've used this as an opportunity to sort of go back and look at how my feet are hitting the ground and look at my posture and, and start trying to correct those things. And, and that's given me just something else to focus on, which is, which has really helped. Yeah. Like a different goal. I love that. Mm. Yeah. Very yeah. We've got to have a goal. <laughs> Always. <laughs> oh, so um, I feel like we are running out of time and I've always got so many questions. Um, I um, wanted to ask you before we finish, if somebody feels like they are struggling from a mental health perspective and whether that's a long-term situation or something they feel coming um, over days or weeks, what is your advice for them? Where should they be turning at this point? I think the most important thing is always to tell somebody because you build things up in your mind. Things are always better shared but it's finding the right person. And it may be that it is a friend or a family member or somebody close to you, somebody that you trust and that you feel comfortable with. Often it's hard to have those conversations face-to-face. -face. So sometimes actually going out for a walk with somebody or even being in the car when you're not actually sitting across from them. Sometimes people find it a lot easier to talk about things like that when, when they're not looking directly at each, into each other's eyes. So that can be a little tip. I think. If you feel that it's more 
serious and these things are affecting you every day and there's a black cloud hanging over you and you can't shake it off or you've got any feelings of self-harm or just wondering what the point of being here is then you need to yes tell a friend but you also do need to get some professional help and the way to do that would be through your GP initially so asking and getting an appointment with your GP there are also lots of helplines that you can use the Samaritan helpline is really really great um I don't have the number off the top of my head I used to know it but I've forgotten it we'll put but it in the show notes find, yeah yeah do just just you know nobody's going to judge you it, it won't be something they've never heard before they will know how to get help for you and professional help for you if you need to because you you can get better and you will get better but it's you know if you have like you said at the start if you have a physical illness and you've got an injury to your leg you wouldn't think of trying to mend it by yourself you would go and you would get professional help so that help is there and you need you know you need to not be afraid to ask for it it doesn't mean that you're a weak person it doesn't mean that you can't cope it doesn't it's no reflection on you as a person or your personality everybody can be affected by mental illness it doesn't matter what your background is what your income is what your hobbies are everybody can be affected by it so I would always encourage you to to reach out for help tell someone that you trust that's close to you but also reach out for help from a professional as well Juliet, thank you so much for joining us. Where can we find out more about you, about your journey, about what you're up to? Um, oh, thank you. Well, the best place probably is just to go to my website, which is my name. So it's drjulietmcgrattan.com. And on there, there's my blog, uh, there's stuff about my books, there's all my social media handles. I like I like, I like all of them really I like I do a bit on Facebook but on Twitter really um, Instagram's kind of my happy place at the moment and I've, I've been tracking I've been charting my Covid return on Instagram stories but also I've started on a TikTok thing as well don't really know what I'm doing but you know, oh, having a bit of fun. You? <laughs> oh I love that I don't even know how TikTok works so I wouldn't but know my how teenage, to find that but. my teenagers are mortified but you know <laughs> so it's great I'm really I'm really enjoying it actually it's it's nice it's a nice community it's a good place to be (laughs) brilliant well if anyone's on TikTok they can find you (laughs) please yeah I haven't got any followers (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for joining us thank you very much for having me you're welcome you have been listening to or watching the special episode of the C40B40 podcast for more of the same search C40B40 wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you join the Totally Runnable Runners Facebook group. We will put all the links in the show notes. But in the meantime, happy running and wishing you all the best this Mental Health Awareness Week. I'm Natalie Jackson and this is C Sporty B Sporty. It's season three and we're talking to some legends of English football but maybe not ones you've heard much from before. Why? Because it's a Euros summer. And this year, the women's Euros are in England. England 2022 is happening all across the country from Sheffield to Southampton, and we're getting excited about it. Join me, Natalie Jackson, and my guests on C Sporty, B Sporty, the podcast, season three, Totally Kickable. Coming soon, wherever you get your podcasts. Hit subscribe so you don't miss out.